Okay, we are recording. All right. Welcome back. What is the date today? I don't even know what today. I don't even know what day it is. It's April 5th, Sunday, April 5th, 2020. And we are uh, practicing social distancing and doing our (laughs) podcast via Skype. For the second time. Yeah, we actually recorded this episode like three days ago and it didn't record, so... (laughs) So here we are again. So, um, before we get into our topic tonight, which is going to be coronavirus conspiracy theories, which we thought was appropriate, um, just a couple of things. The reason we have been absent for so long, I was on a trip, um, and Juke was actually guest hosting uh, some other podcasts, so that's where we've been, and uh, this is our first reunion, which feels like it was three years ago. Yeah, it does feel like forever since I've actually got to record anything, because it doesn't feel like recording when you do it via Skype, so it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad we're we're finally back. It is a little bit more difficult not being face-to-face, but... um, Yeah. Yeah, because half, half of your half of your communication is your face. <laughs> I forget what my speech teacher told me was the actual percentage of non that is nonverbal communication versus verbal. <clears throat> but I think probably for both of us, it's probably a lot higher. <laughs> yeah, probably talk with our hands a lot. But anyway, so I guess we'll dive right into. Uh, well, first of all, Mick said she was traveling, and she was. Although it is important to mention that that was before. Our country was on a lockdown and before uh, coronavirus was really anywhere but California, to our knowledge. So, um, so I had I had planned a trip to go to um, San Diego and I actually planned it, started planning it back in December, finally booked the flight uh, in January, around the 8th or 9th of January. Um, And gee, had I known, you know, what was ahead, which we never know what's ahead. But, um, you know, around uh, early February, you know, we had been hearing in our news a little bit about the, um, you know, virus in China, the coronavirus, and it it really wasn't making, getting very much traction in our news. It was kind of like a blip on the news, like, oh, look what's happening in China. Um, And the Diamond Princess cruise ship, I think, was finally what brought it into, like, the sphere of American media because there were a hundred or so passengers that were Americans that were on board that cruise ship that was quarantined in Japan. It was stopped by the Japanese authorities uh, because a gentleman who gotten had gotten on there, I believe in Hong Kong, um, was either sick when he got on or got sick on the ship. They weren't sure, um, but he got off the ship in Japan and went to, to a hospital. And then he was determined to have the coronavirus, so they quarantined the entire ship. <clears throat> and good and bad things came out of that. I mean, it was kind of like the first quarantine. Um, and so a lot of people were critical of the fact that so many people on the ship got sick. They didn't get people off fast enough. But in retrospect now, given what we know about the virus and how long it can be asymptomatic and those kind of things, I don't know that, um, you know, too much blame i mean the fact that they stopped that ship from leaving because it was due to leave on february the 4th 
and the gentleman was admitted to the hospital, I think on the 1st of February, and it was determined that he had the virus and they were like, no, this ship is not leaving. So thank God. Well, I mean, yeah, especially since, I mean, what if that guy would have just went home and like tried to nurse himself and didn't go to the hospital right. and they would have never known and let that whole ship right. go? I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I think there were like 3,700 passengers on that ship from all different places in the world. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just insane to think about now. And of course, it's worldwide spread now anyway. But I think what we're figuring out is that, you know, from the initial onset of this virus, because it lays dormant in a populace, um, I think three to 11 days is the incubation period. So a person can be out wandering around and not even have symptoms themselves. Um, even the people that become symptomatic can be asymptomatic at the beginning while they're still contagious. Yeah, I avoided Mick for like two weeks when she got back. <laughs> so uh, it's it's kind of like a slow explosion. And um, anyway, I think so a big a problem of this, though, in uh, in our country, especially, is that it wasn't in the media um, soon enough. And then when it was brought to the media, it was played off like a joke by a lot of our leaders. Um right. Trying to say that Democrats were making Trump said it was Democrats were making a big deal out of it so they could turn it into some kind of hoax and you know played it off like that. It took them a long time to even get serious about it. Right. And uh, even our own state in West Virginia, the governor just he he didn't take very many serious precautions. He was like blown up on Twitter. People were making fun of him because he you know told people oh just live your normal lives, go out and eat Bob Evans if you want to. And it, then like a week right. later, he closed all the restaurants. So it's like people here are not taking it seriously at all i just i had to cringe uh a couple days ago i looked out my window and there's a guy hacking up a lung walking down the street just like spitting everywhere walking down the street i'm like well this is nice like i'm glad people are right seriously i finally i finally had to um venture out to walmart yesterday which i did not want to do but you know there are I, I tried to get people around me who needed things and kind of like go as one person for anybody who needed anything, you know, um, to keep lots of people from going basically. And, um, dude, I was suited up. I had a mask at my house that I had worn to, to paint with. And it was like a serious, like hospital level, you know, mask. And I couldn't donate it because I'd already worn it. It was already, you know, had whatever, you know, contaminants or whatever for me on it. But um, it was good for me to use. And I had that mask. I had a bandana. I had my glasses. I had a rubber gloves on, full long sleeve shirt. Like I wasn't playing. And I go into Walmart and people are just like walking around like nothing is going on. And I'm just like, you know, and a couple, a couple of people glance at me a little bit strange, but I'm like, you know what? You can look at me as strangely as you want because, um, We've been given so much bad information. We're going to kind of talk about that, too, um, in this episode. But yeah, I mean, right so much side. bad information. And some of it was because they didn't know the information. And part of it was because we were straight being lied to. So, well, at the uh, beginning of this in our country, when we started first talking about it, the beginning of March, um, you know, I had to do my normal grocery shopping and went. And I was just like, well, I don't. I don't really know how serious this is or how serious it's going to get, but it seems pretty bad in other places. So we went to the grocery store and um, it was pretty chilly out at the beginning of March, you know, West Virginia, one day it's 70 degrees and the next day it's 40 degrees. So um, 
we both, my boyfriend and I, we had jackets on and we had scarves and I just pulled the scarf up over my face and I'm just like, I just am not trying to like breathe in anything because I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I know at the time right. that they were saying, oh, it's not airborne, but I'm like, whatever, better safe than sorry. So okay. I walked around um, and, you know, we were getting our regular groceries, but I was already prepared to get enough stuff for like two or three weeks. Um, just, you know so that we didn't have to make several trips or whatever, but we didn't know. I was, I don't know. I'm not the whole hoarding and buying things. I just, I think that's ridiculous. I don't know why people just can't get, you know, the regular groceries or whatever. Um, but yeah, we just did our grocery shopping for like two weeks. And when we were at the store, people were like laughing and pointing at us and like making a huge deal out of the fact that we both just had scarves pulled up over our face. I mean, not even like a medical mask or anything, just, just a scarf. So but then literally uh, three, four days after we went grocery shopping, everybody was posting on Facebook that all the shelves were empty. You can't find toilet paper anywhere. Nothing. I'm just right. like, we were just at the store and people were laughing at us. And, you no, know, uh, now you guys are freaked out. Yeah. Now you guys are panicked. So, right. I don't know. So, Another thing, too, to when we're since we're moving on into the uh, conspiracy topic, the, the thing that got me the most, which. I sent to you, we, we actually talked about this before because, like I said, we this is the second time we've had to record this, but uh, the media here and just not taking this stuff seriously. And the craziest thing to me is that, you know, they're kind of repeating the same stuff every day. But I have yet to see anywhere in the media about this article I found on the Department of Justice's website about this um, this guy that worked at Harvard. His name was Dr. Charles, Charles Lieber um, and these two. Chinese um, assistants that he had that that lied on their visas and claimed to be coming here as students and then the the one was discovered to be like a lieutenant in the Chinese army and of the mm-hmm. Republic or the what is it the communist uh, group in China what do they call it um, the People's Liberation Army is the one of the uh, the students was a lieutenant in the People's Liberation Army I have the name here um, Yang Yan King Ye Y-A-N-Q-U-I-N-G and then Y-E. Um, and there were a couple other students that were um, working with him at, at Harvard. And he actually um, has been at Harvard, I think, since 1991. Uh, and um, he had been questioned by the Department of Defense and uh, the National Institute of Health when he took contracts to work for, to, you know, government contracts to work for them. Um, right, because obviously they want to know, like straight up, like right, if you're working they for us, we right, don't want you, you working for exactly. other governments. Right, and he and he denied it and uh, and completely lied and said he you no know, he wasn't involved and didn't have communication with other governments whatnot. And what um, was, he was what is his exact title there? He's like the um. It the says head Do- of the Dr. Charles Libre, professor at Harvard. Um, and it says chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So that's his official title. And um, like I said, he's been affiliated with them since 1991, and over the course of years has you know developed these for-profit contracts with uh, China, and you know to work with them on different projects and so he lied about that and they found out from emails and from uh the the lab in china actually which is the wuhan lab in china actually had a, a page a web page that listed him as being in charge of 
you know, one of their research projects. And so he was like furiously trying to tell them like, hey, like take that information down because <clears throat> I, I'm not representing Harvard in my capacity at your lab. So take the Harvard thing. Like he, he started trying to cover it up, but he got caught. And um, a couple of his students were actually caught trying to smuggle biological material out of the country. Back and to China. Right back to China. And that's actually in the in the indictment on the DOJ's website, if you want to go and check that out. Um, and it just, the biological material, it doesn't say, and I, he claimed that it was cancer for cancer research, but okay, whatever. I don't believe it's for cancer research, but um, he said he wanted to take the, the this biological material back to China and work on it in his own personal lab so that he could get all the credit um, when he came up with this cure for cancer rather than um, share it with anybody else, which, but th I think that's a BS story, but. Um, yeah, I mean, why, why are these vials not being analyzed to see exactly what they are? Well, they and, might be, but they're not going to tell us what they are. Well, and that, that's the thing that gets me the most, is all the things that we're repeating in the media right now, but like I said, I haven't seen this on any news station or any, I haven't, I haven't seen anything about this. I just happened to stumble across this on the Department of Justice's website, um, which was, it was posted back in January and I didn't even read about it until like the beginning of March. Right. And, um, I mean, yeah, they have all the proof that this, this doctor from Harvard, like not only was receiving a mass amount of money as payment for working with, mm -hmm. uh, the Chinese, but they were giving him living expenses, pay and right. uh, all right. kinds of stuff. And then again, the two people that were also in the indictment from China, um, I mean, it says it right there. The guy put it in like a sock or something in his suitcase right. and tried to right. smuggle that back to China. And he was directly working with the Wuhan Research Center. I mean, it's not just some right. random lab in China. It's literally the same research center in Wuhan right. that all the speculation is coming about. So as much and as that all, sounds like a conspiracy, I don't know how you could mm -hmm. spell that out as like, OK, something's up here like any more right. than that. And then also the Canadian government um, was invest is investigating two Chinese uh, by the name of John Gochu and Keating Chang, who are virologists, and uh, they were escorted out of the labs in uh, uh, I want to say Manitoba, but that's not right. Um, anyways, it was a Canadian research lab, uh, and they were escorted out for quote possible policy breach and the Canadian government is being pretty quiet about what the policy breach was specifically but these two virologists were also working in the Wuhan lab um, and they were the Canadian government actually sent uh, samples of live Ebola and hentaviruses to China to this Wuhan lab on Air Canadian flight and the, the female that it was a husband and wife the couple, even though the, the, the last names don't, don't seem to match. I don't know if they do that in China, you know, take their surname. But um, the, the wife made five trips to China um, in 20, between 2017 and 2018 to train other scientists at the Wuhan facility. Now, let's be clear that a lot of these, you know, research facilities where they work with viruses, they are trying to develop vaccines. They're also trying to um, map out the genome of the virus, um, which they're getting really, really, really much faster at. When the SARS virus, if you remember, the SARS virus came out um, in February of 2013, I believe it was. Anyways, it took them between February and April 
to actually get the gene sequence of the SARS virus. The, the coronavirus, it took them like, I think 10 days or something. It was a ridiculous fast amount of time that they were able to completely sequence the, the genome and they sent it, they, they made it public, the Chinese did it. And they made the, um, the, the DNA, the, all, they, 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 gave, they gave all that information up so other people could look at it and trying to you know, determine what they could from it. But again, let's not forget that um, from the beginning of time, human beings have been using biological illnesses as weapons, right? I mean, the smallpox vaccine, uh, smallpox virus was transmitted with like blankets that were wrapped around patients who died from smallpox and they sent those blankets to people they wanted to infect, you know, infect. I mean, it's just more advanced now, but every country on the face of the earth that had the capability has probably developed different viruses for weapons, okay? So, um, and the Russians actually had they were working with anthrax pretty extensively, and they had an accidental release of anthrax in 1979. Um, it was released from uh, Sverdlovsk, um, and uh, killed like 100 people. It sickened a lot more people, but what they did, they instructed all the doctors there to give people antibiotics for it because anthrax is a, is a, um, it's not a virus, it's a bacteria. So they told the doctors in the area to give all these antibiotics out and they, they tried to help the people that were infected with it, but they, they really wanted to make it look like it was just, you know, a flu. They did a lot to cover it up, the Russians did. And uh, the CDC is also, if you go on and just Google, you know, <clears throat> CDC accidental, uh, you know, viruses and bacteria. There's been times when the CDC has sent out samples to laboratories for testing, and they believed that the, the viruses and the bacteria were uh, neutralized, and they were not. They've also sent them to the wrong people. I mean, <clears throat> there's been a lot of mistakes, is what I'm saying. So if well, I think one uh, interesting thing to mention too, when talking about this this uh, doctor from Harvard, is that I believe that he and the two people that were posing as students um, were communicating through this app called WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. um, and while all this is going on, even though the media is not drawing any attention to this and no one has brought it up and said, hey, maybe we should be looking at this. Like, isn't this coincidental that this happened in January and now we have, you know, the coronavirus out everywhere? Um, is that they're, they're trying to pass a law in the United States that ends end-to-end -end encryption. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how coincidental is that? Is that all of a sudden, you know, these people involved in all of this very, very sketchy, like, business using mm -hmm. WhatsApp to communicate, and now they're trying to do away with that, even though they're not, you know what I mean? Like, I can see if they came out and said, listen, this doctor got caught talking to these people, uh, we think they're involved, and this is why we're trying to end the end-to-end -end encryption, but they're not saying that. It's like they're just trying to pass it off, and I'm like, that, that just seems like... There's so no wait, way that there's two events just are not so, related. Just so I understand what you're saying. Currently, if two people communicate on WhatsApp, it's possible or not possible for that uh, communication to be intercepted. 
it is possible um, to encrypt it, which means it cannot be intercepted. That's why people use it. They use WhatsApp because it has encrypted mm -hmm. messaging, so no one can intercept what they're mm -hmm. saying. And well, I know, Jer I know Jared Kushner uses that to communicate with MBS because that was a big uh, point of contention that he was kind of chatting with MBS in these unofficial conversations like they're just buds and people were saying you know it's not really like he's using a cell phone and he's communicating in a way that's not really uh secure blah 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 blah. and i didn't know that maybe that's why he was using whatsapp because he believes that the encryption that is available with it is protecting him somehow but <laughs> maybe not yeah yeah i mean we have had this issue here i know a couple years ago there was a big thing uh with apple that uh, the government wanted them to hand over a way to decrypt these encrypted files. And first Apple came out and said, well, we can't do it. Um, and then the government was like, well, we know you have the capability to do it, so you have to. And, you know, they claimed that, that they weren't, they weren't going to do it because um, it wasn't, you know, they didn't believe in it. They thought it was wrong to um, expose people's conversations like that. And the government sued them. Mm -hmm. to have to turn that information over. So it's like, we've always kind of, no surprise in America, they want to know every little bit of what you're doing. Um, right. So no no surprise that they are trying to end, end, end encryption completely, but I just think it's really coincidental that they're pushing for it now, right after this happened, when they when those people involved in this whole incident were using an app that used that. Right. Um, so I'm just, I'm really shocked that no... I mean, journalism is such a joke in this country because as soon as I read that, I'm like, this is the smoking gun right here. Like, why is this? Even if you don't portray it as like, oh, this is definitely how coronavirus started, you would think it's a significant enough um, piece of information to put it out there to people and let them make their own minds up about it. Right. But and as far as, you know, the, the, the lab in Wuhan, like I said, you know, <clears throat> a lot of these labs, they, they do research to try and help humanity so we're not necessarily vilifying them as being you know all like this is some kind of a you know weapons lab or something but even no, if you're uh, even if personally. you're having a even even if you have like a positive you know perception of what they were doing in Wuhan right um these things are super dangerous and that lab is a level four lab, which means it is one of those facilities where they have super uh, advanced systems of air control and flow. And, you know, when you see the people going in there and basically in spacesuits to work with these viruses and shit, it's because it's so dangerous. Like there's only certain facilities that are tight enough to actually handle certain levels of infectious you know, can, uh, diseases. And well, first that all, is I have to say, I don't understand why, I mean, we all, like, when you look at China on a map, and you look at it on a, like, population density map, there's so much of China that is just, has, like, zero population. There's, like, nothing out there, like, out in the desertist areas, right? right? And they're not completely uninhabitable, but it is difficult to live out there. And I'm thinking, if you have a level four lab, handling these types of things why did you put it in the center like mainland china where <coughs> all these people live like the most right. dense area why would you not put it out in a place where if something were to escape 
that it's you know what I mean it's not a very highly populated area I mean that just right. seems that just seems like an accident waiting to happen well it might be something that you know they think about in the future I mean I know uh, one of the when we were going to cover this I looked up I tried to find some of the roots of the uh, you know conspiracies that were floating around out there and one of the ones I found was um, by a gentleman named Francis Francis Anthony Boyle, and he's a, he's a human rights lawyer um, at the University of Illinois College of Law. So you say, well, he's a lawyer, he's a you know law professor. What does he have to do with it? Well, um, he's a human rights lawyer, and uh, he looks at a lot of basically what he's saying is that biological weapons, okay, viruses in and of themselves are bad enough, but sometimes we tweak them to make them more infectious, more lethal. Um, and so in one of his videos on YouTube, he points to uh, a study that was published in antiviral research by a scientist from Fr France and also Canada. And the article was in February uh, 2020 edition, if anybody wants to go look it up. Um, but basically, he was saying that the language that was used to describe the COVID-19 um, strain was that, was, was it said gain of function, okay, and he's got that in quotes. So he says that the term gain of function is a term that is used in research when they're writing about how to amplify the effects of a given virus or bacteria your gain of function is maybe it's more lethal or it's more, it's, you make it more aerosol so it's transits through the air. Whatever terrible quality it has that you're trying to enhance is that they refer to that as a gain of its function. Now, I don't know anything about any of this stuff, but this is what his whole entire theory is that in this research report that was written by these scientists, Canadian and, and uh, French scientists who looked at the uh, the gene sequence of coronavirus that they're saying that in comparison to the the closest previous virus, which is SARS, because genetically speaking, if you look at SARS like on the evolutionary tree of this virus, its closest ancestor is the SARS virus. It shares like so much of its uh, you know. I, I want to say DNA, but I actually believe it's it, the virus is an R, is an RNA virus. But, it's like the same components, though. Right, like it's just like we know we evolved from primates, right, from chimps. Well, so here's a so, question I have too. So they're like trying to pass off this theory, right, that someone bought a bat at a wet market and that's how the infection started, right? That mm -hmm. this guy consumed or this person consumed an animal that was infected with it. Mm -hmm. If that were the case, then why are we not seeing more transmissions back and forth or more transmissions just directly from animal to human consumption? Like, why, okay. why are we not seeing that then if that's how it started? That's, that's a very good question. And what I found out, like I said, this is all just my own research, is that what, what virologists do when there's a new virus is they take the first batch of sick people they find. And they take the virus that's found in their lung tissue and respiratory tract, whatever, and they break down the genetic, you know, the whole entire gene of the virus. 
and they look at it from, from sick person to sick person, and they compare it. And they said that if it was, say, you know, one person ate a bat and got sick, and another person got sick from <clears throat> a pangolin or whatever, that the genetic mutation that allowed it to go from one bat to one person would be different than the genetic mutation that allowed it to go from a pangolin to a human. So you would see some kind of like variance there. So when they looked at these first few victims in China, they said, well, look, these strains are identical. So it's person to person. And that was something that they continue to look at. And also uh, um, the, the virus can continue to mutate even though it's being spread among the human population. So, um, you know, if it spreads, say, for six months, after that virus has been in human beings for six months, there are going to be different strains of it that pop out that are maybe not going to show any difference as far as the symptoms or whatever. But you, when you look at it as far as its DNA, you'll be like, oh, well, when we look at COVID-19 from, you know, January of 2020, this one gene sequence is this. But then in March, we see the gene sequence in that same exact area is different now. So you can tell that's an older version of the, you see what I'm saying? They can create, actually right, yeah, create like a family tree of the, of the virus as it goes on through, through the population. And that's what this, this lady that speaks at these, uh, the Blix, is that how you say your name? Um, I'm not Trump. familiar with a lot of <clears throat> the, the, the really smart, the really smart, sweet lady who's, who's has to deal with Trump and has to get up there and speak intelligently after his, idiocy i do have to say though like on that note that uh you know the other day i watched uh, a clip of one of his speeches and he was talking about the refrigerated trucks in new york city outside of the hospitals um and maybe i don't know i know you and i have discussed the possibility that whoever gave trump this information uh did try to play it down to him because as you said he, he continued to host rallies and stuff after right the, right 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 came out so we'll move on to that after this, but, uh, you know, it, I just saw a change in him. I don't know, maybe he just can't, you know, deal with the uh, whatever information he's been given that he tried to play it off as it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, he clearly sees that that's not the case now, and mm -hmm. he actually seemed, like, legit and, like, somber and genuine when he was talking about um, these 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 refrigerated trucks putting body in them, body mm -hmm. in them and how bad it was going to get, and I was like, wow, this is, like, the first time in his entire presidency that I've ever seen him act mm -hmm. uh, presidential at all. Well, I, th I think, too, and it, we talked about that, and, you know, Jovi and I talked about that and how, you know, Trump, <clears throat> he's a very egocentric individual. You know, he, he sees everything in the world in relation to how it, how it affects him. And so he did say that he had a friend who was in the hospital who was sick, and the next thing you know, they caught him and said he was, the guy was in a coma. So, yeah, you're, I'm sure that he's going to know individuals who are going to be affected by this. But when he first started coming out with the Fox News uh, narrative that this was just a regular flu and, you know, more people die from the regular flu and they were downplaying it. You know, during those couple of weeks, I really felt like he was, um, you know, trying to basically save everybody's stock portfolios. And it was really like purely just. He didn't care if the information was bad, but he was all worried about, you know, the almighty dollar. But then it hit me that 
I started to think about the rallies because I'm like, you know, because I, 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 when I was doing the research for this this episode, I looked up when he had his last rally and when his rallies were. So he did three rallies in February and one in late March or early March. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I think it was a third. One was in New Hampshire. One was in Las Vegas. Um, and I think the other two were like in North and South Carolina. But he's in a room full of people. Right, that could be sick with this now. Right, shaking hands. I mean, yeah, you're you're in the a packed and, arena. Of and so, and so, my brain tells me, okay, in the logical process of things, if he was trying to fool everybody else, but he knew the truth, he wouldn't have been at those rallies. No, I don't think so either. So what happened was, whoever was in his ear, and there is evidence in my mind because of a press conference he gave probably a week ago now. He said he was trying to pump himself up, and he said, you know, there was there were people that were telling me to just ride this out, just ride it out. just It's just like the regular flu. There were people that told me just to let it go, just to ride it out. So, and he says, I didn't listen to those people. I didn't listen to those people. But he kind of did, because he was kind of basically trying to make people think it was all good and it was just a flu. But the thing is, he believed the shit. And now... When he's had to have a couple test himself, and now when he sees people around him testing positive, in his mind, a little light bulb had to go off, as dim as he is, to say, that motherfucker lied to me. Whoever got in his ear and told him, this is really nothing to worry about. They're just trying to make you look bad. Whoever told him that, he realizes, threw him into a room with thousands of people to maybe get contagious four different times. So... And I think that Trump, even though he's not the brightest person, he's he's cunning in a way that, you know, he pays attention when he needs to, when it's about him. And I think he he did some thinking about it. And now he's scared shitless because he's thinking whoever whoever he trusted that told him that this was nothing to worry about. He knows that person straight lied to his face. And maybe their purpose was to get him infected. Like, you know, he's thinking that he's a paranoid person anyway. So, you know, he's right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. in my mind. I think when he looked punched in the face at that last press, the one press conference that he gave, I think that was the shock moment when, like when we all had, when we realized, oh my God, who have I been around? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. When they told you, oh, just wash your hands. When they were telling you, just, you don't need a mask, just wash your hands and all that stuff. And then when you start to realize there is absolutely no way that this is just what they're telling us it is and you had that moment of panic that's what he had the other day now yeah absolutely uh yeah i can't imagine the stress that you felt when you got back after uh you know traveling and then getting home and then you know coming out and saying no this is actually really serious (laughs) um right and then look at the map of where i was took in comparison to the places where cases exploded okay so yeah you're actually pretty probably pretty lucky that uh, right. You didn't come in contact with anyone. I mean, and, and like you said, in the one area that you were in, uh, they had just had the big New Orleans celebration. Yeah. I in mean, the French Quarter. Yeah. In New Orleans. Yeah. They had Mardi Gras. Like, I think the week before. I mean, that's insane. God only knows how many people. I know. I mean, with people that close together, you only, you only have to have one person that's you know coughing in the air for how right. contagious this has become. But right. Yeah, I haven't seen very many people. At the beginning, everyone kept trying to make excuses, uh, like, oh, well, 
you know, Italy has a different dynamic than we do and China has more people than we do. And, you know, that's why their numbers are so bad and that's not going to happen here. But now we have surpassed, like, we've Everyone. even surpassed China. So yeah. they have a billion more people than us and we have surpassed them in amount of cases. So, well, and here's the thing too, like, and, and I wanted to talk about this because, you know, when I, like I said, when I planned my trip, I booked it, booked it in January. Right. And then in February, I was at work and I was listening to the Italian news. And, you know, when we went to Italy, I learned a little Italian. And uh, when I was in school, I took Spanish and French. And I like to listen to the news in their actual language to try and maintain an ability to hear it. Now, my speaking has gone way down. Like, I can only basically survive. But at the same time, like, I can understand almost all of it, which is weird. But so I was listening to the Italian news and when it was the week that it first hit Italy. And they went from having, like, no cases to 655 in, like, like four days' time. Now, they were doing a lot of testing. So to see that kind of an in- increase, but what it told, told me was there was a lot of people in a short period of time because they knew the guy had come from China that, that repatriated to Italy that tested positive. They knew, they knew who he was. They kind of patient zero, I guess, if you will. And uh, so when he got sick, they started going to all the contacts, people that he was close to and, um, you know, trying to trace anyone he had been in contact with. They started that shit right away. And it was in the northern part of Italy, in Lombardy. And by the time that guy got sick, went to the hospital, got diagnosed, and they started backtracking and started testing people around in his area because they just did blanket testing where they knew this guy, you know, lived and where he was at. And they got 655 positives back that quick, which told you it was out there, like, a lot. So, you know, and then they continued and continued, and they tried to, uh, I saw them, like, blocking off their the town and, you know, actually checking people before they left the town for their temperatures and doing all these things to kind of quarantine this whole, whole town. And, um... Then as they started seeing positive cases in the nearby counties, they started expanding the quarantine until it was like 14 counties in northern Italy that they were like, nobody's coming in or going out. And so that was like, you know, the the first and second week of February. And my trip was, we were supposed to leave to go to San Diego March the 8th. So, and what was happening too was you had a couple cases that were popping up in the UK and in France and every single one of those cases had come from Italy. So they had actually more of a kind of an alertness. They were aware they were kind of like their ears were tuned into it. So they were catching it a little bit faster and trying to do all these things. And South Korea, like you, you saw they were spraying their streets down. They were spraying their subways with disinfectant. They, they were and testing everyone. I mean, they didn't play everyone. around. And so one of the things they were doing, too, is, like, the people, the, there were these people, I think it was in England, but they were in a hotel, and somebody tested positive in the hotel, and they, they couldn't leave their hotel. The whole entire hotel was quarantined. They said, no one's leaving this hotel because one person tested positive in this hotel, so no one is leaving. And the guy was doing, like, FaceTime, FaceTime you know, over the new being interviewed on the news. He was American, and he says, you know, I'm, I came here for vacation, and now I'm, I'm not allowed to leave. I'm stuck here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. 
Um, and he was talking about what it was like to be quarantined in this hotel. So to, I'm saying to myself, like right now, uh, like I said, this was in like mid-February. Um, if I go to California in March, and I was supposed to be from the 8th, 8th to like the 15th. So am I going to get out there and like somebody test positive in my hotel and I can't come back to West Virginia? Like, and not only that, but given what I saw them doing in the streets, like spraying down the streets with disinfectant, I tried to go to like United um, web, web page and see if they were taking any additional, implementing any kind of additional cleaning uh, measures for the airplanes. Because I'm thinking, you know, you're on a plane. If anybody who's flown knows you're on a plane for hours and hours and hours, the same people, there could be coughing people on the plane, spewing their sneezing, whatever, walking by using the same bathroom. It's close quarters. You're breathing the same air. So I'm thinking, do I want to go into like a five and a half hour little tube with a bunch of people that I have no idea where they've been, no idea, you know, where they're headed or whatever, and then get off that plane in San Francisco, which at the time here was like the epicenter san francisco yeah yeah i know when you were talking about you know possibly canceling your trip and that they were already in a state of emergency and i feel like everyone was looking at you like you were being too cautious but from the very start i was like no absolutely not like you should absolutely cancel your trip um because i mean i don't know and it's not that uh not that you can look at other things going on and predict this type of thing happening but um, Jovi and I actually talked about how he predicted there was going to be a collapse in March, um, which had to do more with uh, the repo market and, and another thing that wouldn't cause the coronavirus. But it just seemed like um, in his prediction that something was going to happen, it was going to push it over the edge and the collapse was going to happen in March. Um, so when this all started coming out, I guess it was kind of uh, like a paranoid conspiracy in my head that I was just like, this is going to blow up. And this is going to be huge and it's just going to get worse. So I don't know. Call me paranoid, but I feel like from the end of February, beginning of March, I, I knew that this was going to get bad. But I, I will say this, to be honest, I didn't, I, I didn't imagine it was going to be like, I didn't imagine it was going to be this bad. But I did think to myself at the time, you know, they had, like I said, like 15 cases in California and so I was kind of watching the California, you know, the news out there. And I would just look through San Diego news and San Francisco news. And what I noticed was <clears throat> there were several articles that appeared, um, like in LA Times and different uh, newspapers that said that uh, like 7,500 people were being asked to stay at home and monitor their health and communicate with their local health departments. Completely conspicuous were the missing were the words testing okay so then there was another article that came out that said that there was like eight thousand people that a different county what had made contact with and told you know but they weren't telling anybody like how did you identify these 7500 people these eight thousand people and one article did say that they were people who had returned from china between february 2nd and whenever the article ran which i think was like the 15th of february so I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. Italy is cordoning off counties where people have traveled from and like literally locking it down, mass testing people. And the United States response is, please go home and don't go out again. I mean, it, it seemed utterly ridiculous to me. And then that's a the joke. Fact that, 
the fact that they were doing so much mitigation as far as cleaning and disinfecting like this fucking streets, man, like everything. And like, we weren't doing anything like that. <clears throat> and then I think March 1st was super Tuesday out there. And I remember like watching the TV thinking about these long lines of people complaining that they had to wait in line so long to vote. And I'm thinking, man, you know, like you're standing in line for hours and hours and hours, talking to the people in front of you, talking to the people behind you, going into the same little tiny voting booth, breathing the same air. Like, is this really a good idea? But like nobody seemed concerned about it at all. And I just, I guess my point is that, you know, when you're trying to judge the severity or the seriousness of any situation, dude, please, for the love of God, do not rely only on the American news media because... As you can see now, it's 24 hour round the clock scare coverage. But at the time that it was, they should have been out in front of it telling people like, listen, <clears throat> we don't know much about this virus, but we can see how rapidly it spreads among a population. Uh, so maybe it's a lot easier to be transmitted than what we like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, and the one thing that was very concerning to me as well, uh, because I immediately started just getting massive anxiety about it because I, I have no faith in our country to handle anything correctly. So I'm already like preparing for this to be awful. And when Ohio closed their state down, I was still working in West Virginia because our governor was dicking around and not taking it seriously at all. All he could talk about in all his press conferences was how good buddies he was with Trump and really gave no helpful information, um, actually gave bad information. Um, Didn't he tell people to pray? <laughs> Well, they held a national day of prayer and I'm like, oh, that's fucking helpful. Like, it's not that I care. And people always get so pissed off when I point this out because, I, you know, he says, oh, we're going to hold a national day of prayer. And I'm like, oh, fucking great. And they're like immediately turned to the I don't know why you have to attack religious people, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't give a fuck if you guys want to pray about it. But how about that's not the only thing you fucking do? Yeah. Because I don't fucking believe in that shit. And that's not helping me. Like, that's not helping a virus not fucking spread. You know, pray to whoever you want, but, like, that that has to be the backup plan, okay? Like, that can't be your main go-to. Thoughts and prayers do not stop a virus, okay? Mm -hmm. So, that was aggravating. But, I, you know, I was on my computer trying to look at the numbers. And, you know, I get on the CDC website. I got on uh, Who's website. I got on uh, John Hopkins' website. And all three of them were reporting different numbers, different amount of deaths. Mm -hmm. I mean, the information was not lined up at all. I'm just like... This is a disaster. We're only like, you know, really a week into shutting the states down and the very early stages of basically what I was hoping would become federal shutdown. Um, and they can't even they don't even have the correct numbers up on three, right. three different individual sites that people are supposed to look at as reliable. They don't even have the right numbers. So I don't know. Well, and then here's a here's the thing too, like because the biggest thing to me early on was the was the lack of the ability to test because, you know, we kept we were being told you know that tests were going to be rolling out, tests were going to be rolling out, tests were going to be rolling out. The biggest thing that you can do from from everything that I've read and heard about this is to quickly <clears throat> identify, you know, the the original area of contagion, right? And then start tracing to see any and all contacts and then isolate those. So it's like trying to dam up a river and you, you, you know, you dam it up and then this little tributary leaks off in this direction. You got to go to that one and you got to stop it. So 
if you don't do early on testing and the virus becomes pervasive in the community, you're lost, you're done. Now you're just going to mitigation to where you have to blanket tell everybody to stay inside. And, you know, it, it only got so bad because of the lack of testing. Now, what happened was the CDC had a test that was supposed to identify this virus. They sent the test out on February 5th, which it was pretty early on, okay? But the tests were defective. They were supposed to have some kind of uh, agent in it that was reactive and it would identify, you know, positive. But the, re the reagent was not working. So it was giving people false negatives. And when the test, when the test was found out to be defective, um, the Trump administration was given the option of getting tested tests that who had developed, the World Health Organization had developed. And there were several other tests out there, and we declined to get those, those tests from other places. So that was a big problem. Because I think at that point, you know, it was still early enough on that if we would have aggressively, aggressively went after that, you know, now look what it spilled over into. Because we didn't put all of our efforts into the getting the test. Now it's now we're, it's equipment. You, there's no way to get enough equipment. And, you know, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, I really have to say the most disappointing of all of this press coverage conference that he's given was the moment that he said to a reporter, the reason he wasn't prepared for this is because the Obama administration left the shelves empty. And I'm like, you've been president for three and a half years, dude. Like, how are you going to honestly sit there and look at the your people, the American people, in their fucking faces and say, well, Obama left the shelves empty? That's the most childish lame excuse a human being could come up with you he did nothing to well and correct me if i'm wrong too but didn't they come out and say that trump disbanded the pandemic uh response team uh like a month before this all happened there are people who worked for the obama administration who have come on the media and said that trump let them go that he removed positions or whatever trump's defense is that he didn't he might have let some people go, but it was a consolidation. It was a reorganization, whatever. It's ineffectual. It didn't work, dude. It did, what you did was shit. It didn't work. And, you know, I, I did see an Obama, Obama administration official, former Obama administration official, saying that, yeah, there weren't enough supplies. And part of that reason was because they tried to get more and Congress wouldn't allocate the money to it. So that goes back to your Nancy Pelosi's and your Chuck Schumer's and everybody who wants to sit back and blame Trump now. Where, where were you on that vote? So we're going to have to go back and see, you know, what kind of uh, equipment Obama was trying to get that got denied. And, you know, maybe when these congressmen and these senators start putting as much uh, uh, effort into scientific, medical research stuff that'll that'll save human lives as they do the military industrial complex to develop new technologies every year to murder people around the globe maybe then we'll, maybe then we'll be ready for the next pandemic because that seems to be the focus of they, they all care about giving the military any blank fucking check they want to develop the next high-tech you know drone but 
here we are sitting here defenseless against against an invisible little tiny microscopic fucking virus that's killing people. Yeah, I, I you know I saw this post that said you know uh, at the time it was like 400 deaths in America that day from coronavirus, um, and it said uh, you know if if every single day a terrorist was placing a bomb and killing 400 people in America, we would be losing our minds. Yes, exactly. 400 people a day are dying from a virus and people won't even wash their hands and stay home. Um, and it makes me upset that I was really hoping that this would be a time when the American people could come together and say, look, there were failures on all sides of every line here, all politicians. Um, and of course, they don't care because they can stay home and quarantine and still get paid and government mm -hmm. functions will be shut down. And there's no worry for them. They have big fat paychecks and bank accounts to hold them over. And really, mm -hmm. they don't care. They have people. They don't have to be exposed. Um, so they voted against the best interest of the majority of us. And, you know, I thought when times were before they announced the stimulus checks and people were really freaking out about like, why well, I have to go to work and okay, well now I've been fired from my job and it was affecting a lot of people and they were all kind of coming together saying, you know, something has to change. But I feel like as soon as Trump, you know, signed the stimulus checks and everybody knows they're going to get this one-time check, um, you know, besides the fact that they're bickering with each other over, Oh, if you said Trump's not your president, then you better return that check. And other people saying, well, if you don't like socialism, then you better return that check. I mean, all the fucking bickering amongst each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm already losing hope that people can't even come together to be like, look, we're getting fucked. You know? Well, I think, too, that, you know, not only has it exacerbated the political divide, um, the level of stress that everybody's under, <clears throat> but at the same time, I've been shocked that. The mainstream media, and yes, it's been the liberal side, the CNN and the MSNBCs, but people who bashed Bernie Trump, Bernie, <laughs> Bernie Sanders, um, because they said he's a socialist and we aren't ready for a socialist, are advocating for socialism. Right, but they won't admit that it's socialism, and that's what kills me. And especially, no, 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 you no, know, no, 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 I gotta stop you there. There are actually, I have actually heard. Um, people who bashed Bernie Sanders say that maybe this is evidence that we need Medicare for all. And I like, wow, I thought I had a high fever and was losing. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have to send that to me. I got to mark that on the calendar. Um, Jimmy Dore did a whole segment on different uh, newscasters from MSNBC and CNN and pretty much telling you like their background, who they are, who they're married to, how much they're worth and all this stuff. And one of the people I remember him really attacking was Stephanie Rule from MSNBC. Um, she went after Bernie Sanders and Jimmy Dore was like, I'm going to tell you who Stephanie Rule is. And, you know, kind of read her pedigree that she uh, worked in finance before she became a consultant for MSNBC. And her husband is some kind of big Wall Street guy or whatever. <clears throat> but she was actually on there bashing Wall Street. And I mean, I don't watch a lot of. MSNBC and CNN, I try to like watch, you know, a variety of stuff. So I check in to see what's going on. But like, I don't remember anybody on MSNBC just jumping up and down like for socialism or attacking Wall Street anytime in the recent past. Do you? No. Not, not anybody whatsoever was like going no. as far as I've heard them go. 
this past week. Well, I know and a lot of people um, are suddenly now okay with the idea of uh, universal basic income when, you know, Andrew Yang talked about it. They laughed at him. Um, not that I think he's a reliable candidate after backing Biden, um, but it's just crazy the shift that people have had. And I'm like, this is what's wrong with this country is that, you know, the majority of people don't give a shit about these subjects until they affect them directly. And it, obviously, I'm not glad that this virus is spreading here, but it's just kind of refreshing for once that these the major national crisis that we're facing isn't just against poor like people. It's everyone. You can't hide from it. Like you can, you know what I mean? In most, sub, in most subjects, they can sweep it under the rug and change the narrative on it and it doesn't affect them. So they don't care how much damage they're doing. But that's not the case. Mm. In this, you know, it affects everyone everywhere. You know, there's, there's not a single person that's going to benefit from allowing this virus to continue to, you know, rampage as long as it will you know, that nobody benefits from it. So I feel like they're actually like, oh shit, we have to do something about this. Like we need actual change. And then they fall back to, you know, using the arguments that people like you and I have been using the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that just shows a line of equality there. Like, look, the only reason we're agreeing on these subjects right now is because there's finally something that you, no matter how much wealth you have or how much protection you think you have, you are not safer than I am. Right. And let's just say that, you know, as far as the, the theories that whether this was, you know, a naturally occurring evolutionary thing in this virus or whether it was man-made, because that's another one of the conspiracy things is whether it was, I mean, personally, I think that everything you need to know, you can, you can get from a Cardi B video on this shit being airborne, but. Um, oh God, Mick called me <laughs> the other day. She was, I thought she was going to piss her pants. She's like. Is this really her? Is this really Cardi B? The video of her with the the towel on her head or whatever. Um, and yeah, that's really her. She's because listen, I have never I've heard the name Cardi B, but I don't follow pop culture very much. And so, I if you'd have put six females out in front of me and said which one of these is Cardi B, I honestly couldn't have told you. But um, in fact, if you just said what's one thing you know about Cardi B, I couldn't tell you. I did. I all I know is the name, right? And so when I saw that video, I thought that it was it was somebody like making fun of her. Like this can't for real be this Cardi <laughs> B that everybody talks about. <laughs> I was like, no way, no way could this be her. But um, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Like if anybody out there is like stressing out and needs to just laugh your ass off, like I thought it was funny. Like, I showed it to everybody. A lot of people were like, oh, this is not that funny. But I thought it was funny. And by everybody, I mean the five people in my life. But I shared, it with, <laughs> I shared it with them and they're like, yeah, so she's an idiot. And I'm like, no, but it's so funny. Like, I thought it was funny. But anyway, yeah. she's saying this shit is airborne and she's like, you know, and, and it's as, as stupid as she sounds in that video. Like she's putting two and two basic things together. Like, how did this shit spread so fast? How did it get to people that don't know anybody? They don't even go out and like to clubs. They don't hang out with anybody. They're just hicks. They're just. You know, people that don't socialize, they, they're, they're just ghetto people. Like, how did they get it? So, she's like, she's actually doing what I'm saying people need to do, which is just ask questions. Use your own brain, yeah. Use your own brain. Don't believe what the media or anybody tells you. And I'm telling you, get other perspectives. There's a lot of media around the world that um, is not filtered through our corporate media. Like, even if you want to listen to, like, you know, 
Italian, Spanish, even Chinese or Russian news, they do it in English too, because English is the universal language. Lucky for us lazy bastards who don't want to learn another language. But like, so they'll actually broadcast their news in English so that some person who speaks any one of other 500 languages who also knows English can listen to their news, right? So listen to other people's news because when you watch something like this happening in another country, if you would have see, seen what I saw at the time I saw it, it's not like I'm some prophet. I just looked at it and said, this is not matching up with what we're being told here about how bad this shit is. And the next thing you know, you know, now we've got this explosion and we're like worse than anybody in the world. Well, we talk about conspiracies. So I feel like uh, based on the information that I've uh, received so far in the research I've done that I personally think that they probably had this strain of coronavirus and were doing testing on it in Wuhan, um, maybe other places as well. And I think it was an accidental uh, release. I think they, they were trying to find some kind of vaccine for it um, and already knew about it, but it hadn't hit the public. So, you know, kind of as a, like a, precautionary thing like well we know this is out here so we're gonna start testing on it now uh to hopefully develop a vaccine if it ever does become mm -hmm. prevalent and uh i think it it got released on accident somehow i don't think it was purposely released i think it affects too many people it's it, there's no damage control in that situation to only have it affect people in specific areas um right. so i i just don't think that there would have been any gain for anyone to release it when it's so unpredictable Right. That's the thing about a, about a biological weapon. Okay. Compared to a nuclear weapon, you know, when I grew up in the age where like nuclear devastation of the entire planet first became like really widespread known and possible. Right. And, uh, I was psychologically terrified by that when I was like 13, 14 years old. I remember just thinking to myself, like, that anything could happen and the next thing you know we might see this missile going overhead and it's, it's literally the end of the world and i i kind of grew up with that that terror in my mind that not only could i die but like the entire human population would be just gone and then you know you kind of just get desensitized to the fear of it but then i thought as an adult like what's the reason people go to war because they want to take shit off other people right if you nuclear annihilate the entire nobody wins that right because even if you go into a bunker deep underground there's nothing left above the ground. So that's all you have left is that bunker. And you know, rich people, they like their yachts. They like to go out in the sparkling water and drink champagne and, and you know, have crazy parties. And they, that they love life. They don't want to annihilate the world. They want the world to be here for them. So I think the reason we haven't had nuclear war is because it doesn't benefit the elite. Um, but biological weapons, okay, like you're saying, if it escapes, if it gets out or whatever, nobody's uh, safe from it. But if you developed a biological weapon and then developed a vaccine for it and gave it to the important people, you could kill a bunch of people off and still have a nice, beautiful world for yourself. That's what makes me worry that the human um, condition being, you know, sometimes extremely self-serving and narcissistic that they could kill off like a lot of the population and not fucking care because they do it with traditional warfare, right? Right. I mean, but look, Nixon, you know, was content to bomb uh, Cambodia into oblivion. They 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 waged a, a scorched earth policy in Vietnam, just bomb and bomb and bomb and bomb and bomb. 
And so Nixon didn't have any compunction about murdering people. Um, but he did, he dismantled the biological weapons program because I think he was just like, what the, why would we want to fuck around with something that could like kill us too? Like, I think that was his logic, right? Um, now there, there was a law that was passed, a couple of laws that were passed about biological weapons. I, I wrote this down here to mention it, that, um, the 1925 Geneva protocol, um, was the first thing that they kind of came to agreement on. And the country said that, you know, let's prohibit the possession, uh, not the possession or development of it, just, just the use of it. <laughs> so um, you can't use it, but you can still develop it and manufacture it. And oh, right. It. That would be like uh, saying that guns are legal, but just using them is illegal. Like, <laughs> Right. So then um, in 1975, uh, they came up with an agreement. 22 governments, um, I guess, agreed to the ratification of it. And there was 183 states which are a party to it. So I'm not sure what the difference is there. But basically, uh, they agreed that they would prohibit, you know, stockpiling, making biological and toxic weapons. The problem was that there was no... Um, like the Atomic Energy Commission that goes in and inspected Iraq to make sure they didn't have nuclear weapons. There was no, there was no inspection regime designed yeah. or so no or way to tell, and no way to punish anyone who did it. So right. okay. it was kind of like all these countries get together and they put their one hand behind their back and cross their fingers, like yeah, we all agree not to do it. And we know that for sure that Russia ramped up their uh, chemical uh, biological weapons after that because of what happened with the anthrax accidentally getting released in 1979. So we know they hardcore did it. And there's documents that have come out to suggest that we still, we still uh, develop, you know, a weapons grade anthrax and that the weapons grade anthrax that Saddam Hussein had, um, that people said, oh, he's got these biological weapons. Saddam so had the capacity to make that shit. So where'd he get it from? Right. Yeah. He didn't get it from the Soviets because the Soviets were behind Iran. Well, I got to ask you, too, since we uh, are talking about conspiracies, because there's this absolutely like ridiculous one that I I'm I'm just I can't even believe it's so fucking stupid. But Let me it's, guess. It's, it's the 5G one. Yes, it's the 5G <laughs> thing. This is so fucking dumb. And you know what? I, I have a friend who's been sending me uh, these articles and I'm I'm trying to be as nice as I can, because obviously I don't want to I don't I'm not ever trying to come off to people in a bad way but it is very frustrating when people spread false information in a time like this when it is very dangerous to spread false information mm. and it's like i'm not trying to tell you that you can't have a different opinion uh, but i just need you to understand the weight of what you're doing here like you have done zero research and now you watch a youtube video uh, based on information that came from a guy called Q Anon on 4chan, and you're spreading this information to people. Like, that's extremely harmful what you're doing, and you act like it's nothing. Um, so, I don't know. I, I've been trying not to completely just tell people that basically they're being fucking retarded. Um, so, the two 5G conspiracies that I found out about, one of them was put out there by a guy named Thomas Cowan. And he has a video out there. He actually has a medical degree, and he also was an anti-vaxxer, so they kind of they suspended his medical license over the anti-vaxxing thing. But um, he basically says that the coronavirus is 
nothing more than when a cell uh, dies, is damaged and dies, it releases toxins into your body. And that 5G is causing cell death to a level that these toxins are killing people. So that he thinks there is no actual virus, it's just toxins from cells. That's what he calls it, toxins. His one wow. video I watched, he calls it a toxin. He said this cell when it's dying secretes a toxin, which, is, which means a poison. Um, he makes it sound like the cell dies and takes a poop in you. And too much poop builds, builds up and you die from the poop infection. I mean, that's, to me, that's how stupid it sounds. I mean, we know the viruses have DNA. We know they evolve. Like science, there's an entire scientific community that understands how viruses and bacteria work. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of, I don't even know where this comes from. It, he's just the guys out there. And then the other 5G conspiracy theory I heard about was some of the people were queuing on people. And, but I don't know that all of them are. And their belief is that this whole coronavirus is a hoax to shut the schools down, shut businesses down, shut everything down, so the government can come in and install 5G while everything is closed and nobody's around. And they've gone around with these cell phones and taken videos of people in white vans doing what they say are a secret installation of 5G in schools and different places. And here's the thing. This is one of those ones where you just got to ask yourself, like, all right, well, we don't trust the government. The government is evil. It will do whatever, whatever. But you've got to go to Occam's Razor. What's the simplest explanation? The simplest explanation to 5G is this. If the government says that 5G is safe, even if it's going to kill us all, if people's going to make money off of it and the government wants to install it, they're going to fucking install the shit. They're you know, gonna, and the, they're the not reason... going to create a national situation like <laughs> right. this. Right. Exactly. Come on. And like, hurt what the stock market. And cards do you need to build here? Just like Monsanto's putting poison on our fucking food, and we complain about that, and we're like, yeah, could you please not put fucking poison on our food? And the government goes, oh, it's FDA says it's it's safe. So they fucking do it. And then they, they refuse. permission. They, they refuse to label it. They don't disaster to do it. They just fucking do it. Right. It, that could be as simple as, I mean, that's just the stupidest fucking conspiracy I've heard for the simple fact that if they wanted to install it, we already have 4G. And they could go and install all these things. And when people ask them, what are you doing? They'd be like, oh, we're just installing more 4G towers so people have better self-service or whatever. Like, they could just fucking right. just lie to you about what they're doing and pass it off right. as something else like they usually do. There would be absolutely no reason for this nonsense. I mean, it's so dumb. That, that's the and dumbest plus, thing. And plus, you know, when you when you when you start examining a conspiracy theory, there's something called a cutout. You know what a cutout is? No, I'm not familiar. A cutout, and I thought I thought this hurt up in my head, but apparently it actually is a real term. So I must have heard it somewhere before. Cutout is when a group of people are involved in a conspiracy. And only certain people know about the conspiracy. But when they start to involve other agencies or other populations or other individuals that aren't part of the conspiracy, those people will react to the conspiracy. So it's like there's a line where the conspiracy shell or the people involved in it comes into contact with fucking reality. So in other words, like 9-11, you know, when people say, 
well, why didn't our, we have national defenses to fight against, you know, hijacked planes or whatever. So when 9-11 happened, there was a drill that was happening on the same day that miraculously involved planes flying into fucking buildings, if you can believe that or not. So some of the radio traps from the jet pilots that were up there conducting this, quote, drill said, is this real or is this drill? They actually were conducting a scenario, and I think the whole reason for that was because they wanted there to be enough confusion that human beings who would actually stop what was happening on 9-11 had to be derailed with confusion just long enough to let the plan fucking happen. Right. That's where your cutout was. No, not everybody that was in 9-11, people say, well, there had to be so many people involved. No, there didn't. But the people that were involved had to have a reasonable explanation or be able to involve people in it that weren't actually realizing they were involved in it. Well, and that's another scary part about this whole virus is that, you know, people are so afraid, especially in America, because we we live such a comfortable lifestyle compared to a lot of other places um, that they are so desperate to believe that what is happening is not actually happening because they have no control over it and it's scary. So any out that they can get to believe that this isn't happening so that they don't have to be afraid of it, they're taking it. And, and that's, that shocks me. And I guess that's just not in my brain to do that. Maybe it is because of the anxiety that I already deal with that my, my method is to assume the worst is going to happen and prepare for it. Um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just living in denial and hoping for the best. Um, but they're already talking about, you know, Trump said he wanted to have the country open back by Easter. And now they're saying it's probably going to be June 1st. And a lot of companies are laying people off till June 1st. I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near there. I mean, it's March now. and We haven't even hit the peak. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling that all of 2020 is, is going to be quarantined. Well, the thing that I'm looking at again is that, you know, in Wuhan, where this first started, um, it did take a, the arc was like four months. And, you know, what you have to consider, though, as far as them shortening it and having less deaths and less effect, is how how strict they controlled it. Like, there was a video, a cell phone video, somebody managed to get out of China of a guy who refused to wear a mask, and I guess they, they threw him in a van and he disappeared. Um, and, you know, here we've got people at a church in, uh, where was that church at? Uh, I think it's in Louisiana. No, I think it's in Ohio. Um, I'll find it here in a minute. But uh, the guy actually has like 27 buses. He he sends these buses out in a 50-mile radius to pick up people, brings them back to his church. And every church service, he has about, you know, 15 to 1,800 people attending his church service. And he has refused to stop having church services. And, you know, the press have been there. They've interviewed the people leaving his church saying, aren't you afraid that if you, you know, contract a virus here that, you know, you're going to go back and, you know, spread it to somebody else? They don't care. Half of them said they're washing the blood of Jesus, so they're not going to get sick. But they said they're not worried about it. So I don't know how Christian that is, that you don't care that if as long as you don't feel sick from it, if you give it to 10 other people and they die from it, you don't care about that. That's pretty, that's pretty horrible. But I guess they finally cited him with misdemeanors for holding church services, but he still had one today. So I got to check on the update on what's going on with that. 
But um, See, it's sad that you have to bring the essential workers into play because obviously uh, I don't want the essential workers to all strike out and us just be left with no garbage men and no doctors and no police. Like, that would be absolutely awful. But it's like if those people didn't have to be forced to go to work so that our society could continue to function on the most basic level, uh-huh. I'd say just fuck it. Anybody who won't self-quarantine and wants to go out and act like this shit, you know what I mean? Just eventually they'll all get it. And they'll all either, you know, recover from it or die. And that's what they get. I mean, they get what they but get. But the problem is, like, though, but the problem is, though, all of us still have to go at some point to right, Walmart exactly. or to somewhere. We have to go out at some point. Now, and like I said, you know, when I went to Walmart, I had a mask that would protect me. It, it was a strong enough one that anything I have isn't going to go out to anybody. And anybody, anything anybody else has is not going to also get to me. But if, it, if I wouldn't have had that type of mask on, I would have turned around and walked out, walked out of Walmart. Because, you know, they say that this virus now, they, they've admitted, it lingers in the air. It eventually drifts down onto surfaces, but it hangs in the air. And you and I were kind of joking about this because I said, you know, when somebody reeks of BO and they walk by in a store and you, you see they look shabby, right? And then they walk by and then you walk through their path like a minute later and you still smell their funk. That shows you that particles hang in the air. Right. Because that's bacteria from their B.O. hanging in the fucking air and you can still smell it. The shit is still in the air. So what Right. I, I know. Is- we did this test with these masks that we have uh, as part of, you know, shit that we already had for doomsday prepping or whatever. And I took them. I finally took the mask out because I you, you keep it in the plastic that it comes in. But I was mm. like, OK, like time to use it. So took it out of the plastic and I put it on to fit it to my face. And uh, my brother sprayed in front of my face, like, Axe body spray, which anybody mm-hmm. who smelled that stuff knows that it's, like, super Strong. fucking potent. Um, right. And you can't smell it through the mask. Right. Uh, I was like, wow. I cannot believe yeah. that this thing is filtering out, like, the particles that create smell. Like, that blows my mind. So Yeah. yeah One I'm guy said he was cooking. I don't have to work One guy said he now. was cooking bacon to see if he could smell through it. He was cooking bacon, testing it. And he made his mask out of... um vacuum bag filters, HEPA. They had yeah. a HEPA filter in it, which catches super tiny particles, and he said he couldn't smell baking with it on. So that's, yeah, I know. Then people are uh, telling you can take a bandana and fold it and put this vacuum cleaner bag in the front of it, and right. they're like, well, it's, it's not, you know, it's not great, but it's better than nothing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I have been limited trips. I went grocery shopping at the very beginning of March um, and haven't been back out since. Um, but it's coming time that I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go out and, uh, I don't care. I do not care how crazy I look with that basic well, gas one thing mask is, on my face. The one thing is, if you got a gas mask on your face, nobody can tell you are anyway, right? <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. It just, it just kills me that, you know, I, I wonder how many people are on the fence about how seriously they should be taking this. And because of scrutiny that they're getting from people around them for being too cautious, they're not being cautious. And I'm like, I'm not going to be one of those people. You know what I mean? You, you can make fun of me all day long. I'm not hoarding supplies. I'm not buying, you know, surgical masks. I'm not, you know, hoarding any kind of supplies that are necessary for other people. I had this shit and, you know, I'm right. going to go out and do my re- regular grocery shopping. I'm not bothering a soul, but right. <laughs> I don't care if I look stupid or not. I, I'm not taking right. any chances and I especially because it's, it's not even me that i'm worried about because right. i know that they say at this point that young people are just as at risk now that the whole 
oh, it's only old people or people with underlying conditions that are at risk. We know that's not true now. Right. But it's not even about my own worry for myself, but it's just you consider if you get sick and you go to the hospital and you do have to be put on a ventilator, you're taking a ventilator that somebody else could need or right. you, that's know, what you I'm could saying. spread it. You could spread it to other people who, exactly. who can't survive it. I mean, I don't know what I would do. I don't think I could live with myself if I carried the virus. And, you know, I work with a bunch of elderly people, a lot of which are recovering from cancer. And if I took it to them and they all died, which if they get it is a pretty high probability. I don't know how I'd ever forgive myself. I mean, you're not talking about infecting one people, but possibly hundreds. Yeah. So, well, I know, you know, when I came back, because we had gone to, um, gee, let's see here. I mean, a list, a quick list of all the places we went to. Georgia, uh, Florida, Louisiana. Well, yeah. I mean, we went to, first we started in West, West Virginia, then we went to Maryland, then through Virginia, and then through uh, Tennessee then Mississippi, then down to New Orleans, and then we went uh, through Alabama, well, Mississippi, Alabama, Mississippi, um, over to Florida, and I uh, might not have this in the right order there, but along the Gulf Coast, right along the edge of the coast, went to Florida, and then came up through um, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and back through Virginia, and up back to West Virginia. And at the time that we went through all those states, there was maybe like one or two cases there. It was like nothing. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, but partway, partway as we were coming back, um, they actually started like closing the state rest areas, the welcome centers, the big welcome centers. They were closing those down like when we were on our way back. And like the workers there had must have just got the news. They were closing out because they were kind of freaked out. Like, well, I guess we're not going to be open tomorrow. You know, and uh, I guess until like indefinitely, like we don't know when, like it was a shock to them, like that they were going to be closing down. And I'm thinking, all right, well, it's starting to it's starting to come home to roost now. So then after we got home, we saw like the numbers of cases when they finally started doing testing now, um, especially in Louisiana, they go crazy. Right. So, I mean, I quarantined myself for like day, like I didn't we didn't see anybody when we first got back for like, you know a couple of weeks and a couple of those days I quarantined myself away from everyone in the house, like in a separate room in the house because I had a cough and I was like, you know, this could be allergies. This could be something else. I wore a mask inside my own house because like you're saying, you know, you, the, the thought of giving it to somebody you love is like as bad as the thought of getting it yourself. You know what I mean? So yeah, I really absolutely. can't understand these people that go out and don't care about other people that just are like, you know, who cares what happens to other people? Like, how do you become that kind of person? I don't get it. I don't know. And it it does shock me because, like I said, I see it everywhere. I mean, I see people, you know, saying that they're traveling or that they're, you know, doing this, doing that, hanging out with friends, uh, people going to cookouts because it's nice and they're not at work. Uh, I know my boyfriend said he tried to go fishing one day because they hadn't closed the state parks and they were still stocking trout and posting about it, which in West Virginia, everybody fishes. So, you know, he goes out to one of the parks and he said it was packed shoulder to shoulder people fishing. So he just turned around and came home, um, mm. didn't even get out because he, he figured, you know, with everything going on, he could go outside and he'd be away from people. And no, it was packed. And I, I mean, it's just no one in our area, at least, is taking it seriously. And West Virginia has already been said that it's if it gets here and it spreads, that we're going to have a high death toll because we have uh, a lot of people. Lung with conditions. Right. Yeah. 
uh, all kinds of lung conditions. We have an elderly population. I mean, we don't have a, I mean, we've had three hospitals shut down that I know of um, just in the last year and two of them were in our city. Uh, so, I mean, there was one in our city and then one right on the border of Ohio. And then I just read about another one in lower West Virginia closing. So I'm like, there's hospitals closing everywhere here. We already didn't have the most stable, you know, health, you know, market to begin with. So I don't know. I, I hope I, I really genuinely hope that something happens that people will start taking it seriously. But unfortunately, like everything else, I feel like people don't take it seriously until it happens to them. So until someone they know gets it or someone that they know knows dies of it, that they're mm-hmm. just not going to take it seriously. So the one church was in Ohio. It was called the Solid Rock Church. Um, and that was in Ohio. They continued to have church services after they were told no public gatherings. Um, I'm trying to see. This was on March the... March 29, so they may have actually stopped. I'm not sure. The one in Ohio may have actually stopped. Uh, I know that one of the ones that said they were going to continue to do it did finally cave in and say, you know, we're not going to do it anymore. Well, I'm waiting to see here, too, because, you know, West Virginia, as backwards as we are, um, everyone was like, oh, West Virginia is the last place to have no cases up until we did. Uh, But that's because of West Virginia, our population of 1,800,000 people uh, we, we had 500 tests in our state at the beginning of all this. So, right. you know. Now we're up to we're like 7,000. We have like yeah. 7,000 tests. We still only have 300 positive cases. So that's good. Yeah. I, I think- mean, that is good. They said that uh, for the amount of tests that they're doing, uh, last I heard the governor say <coughs> last week, he said um, that only 4% of those were coming back positive right. just out of the ones that we've used right. to test people. So, and with all the criteria you have to go through to get the test. That's pretty good. He said the national and interestingly, interestingly, the majority of the cases are almost entirely like the high cases are in three counties. So I feel like the health department in those counties would really be doing a good service if they could look at all the people that have tested positive and see what the relation is there between the people like be a detective, figure out how did it come first come to that county who was the first person that got sick who did they know how did it go? like that's what we need to do now is reconstruction of how well and that's that's thing really what worries me because i i live in a podunk town in west virginia you know what i mean and i i see the people that are on our our health board and it's a fucking joke well I mean, you really, really think, yeah do you think that in fucking southern west virginia boone county that the person running their health department is equipped to handle something like this I'm like, well fuck no well, what you gotta remember doomed. is but wait a second though what you got to remember is that city council and, you know, the people that make decisions on city council aren't necessarily the same people that are running the actual health department. Right, but they appoint those people. At least that's how it works in our county. Yeah, I don't know. I would just hope that their scientific nature would take root and that they would actually want to know themselves. Like, how did this, you know, come into our county? And hopefully under the direction of, like, I don't know if all health departments have to report so much information to the CDC, if the CDC is going to say, hey, like, we're going to require you to, you know, uh, do contact tracing, fill out forms of all the people who, you know, came to you and how they were related. We're going to ask you to get this information. Like, 
that's the only way we're going to get to the bottom of it. And, and I hope that, you know, I've seen amazing forensic investigations, and this will probably be the most massive forensic investigation of all time to trace the actual flow. And someday, maybe it might be years from now, I hope to see a map that shows the actual spread out from Wuhan, China across the globe in, in time. Like you can just watch it, like watch how it flowed out. Well, I think it's ridiculous that so far there hasn't been some kind of federally mandated shutdown because, like I said, our governor uh, and the joke that he is closed uh, all the non-essential businesses. But you look at the list and it's basically everybody's an essential worker. Um, mm -hmm. And I would be, too, at a job that, you know, is not essential at all, um, other than the fact that my employer was like, no, just stay home. Uh, so I don't know. I, I keep waiting every time he does one of these briefings. I'm waiting for him to say, OK, well, originally we closed these essential businesses, but now we're going to take that to the next level and start closing places like, you know, I don't know why my friend who works at a Gumby's that's a cigarette drive through is still being forced to work right now. I mean, this is bullshit that she has to come in contact with all these people all day long, uh, you know, handling money and dealing with people for cigarettes. We're telling me during a national health crisis that people can't find somewhere else to get their cigarettes, plenty of places to sell them. So you're talking a business that only sells cigarettes can't be considered non-essential or liquor stores? I mean, that's Whoa. ridiculous. They don't want people to lose their minds because they can't get their booze. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm looking at it a little bit more serious than that, that, you know, Walmart sells beer. Okay, maybe you can't go to, you know, like, well, in PA, I know that that's included. They can't get liquor there because the, the stores right. that so you, you know, sell that, you know they're happening? coming here. They're coming here. West Virginia. Right. right. And I, I saw that some counties are implementing that um, if you don't have a West Virginia ID, that they're not going to sell it to you to try to mm -hmm. make people stop coming here for that. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just all out of hand. I don't think any of it's being handled very well. And I feel like uh, everybody just keeps hoping that if we do this bare minimum effort that we're doing, uh, that eventually we'll hit the curve and it'll start to decline. But really, I think what's going to happen is we're going to keep doing this bare minimum effort. Um, it's not going to decline. And then we're going to have to go further steps. I mean, I just wish they would rip the Band-Aid off, do whatever we got to do and get this shit over with rather than, trying to continue life as, as unbothered as possible and dragging this on for, I mean, for what could be a year. So um, the, I found the other name on the church. It was, it's the Life Tabernacle Church. Uh, and the pastor's name there is Tony Spell. And he was on um, CNN this morning, uh, justifying that he is going to continue to have church. He was supposed to have church services this morning. And like I said, I know they charged him with several misdemeanor counts after his last church service, but he said he doesn't care. In spite of fines, in spite of whatever, he's going to keep having church. Right now, it seems so, as if everything is. Um, and uh, there was a Florida pastor who was arrested uh, after after jamming his church full of people on Sunday. Um, so, you know, some governments are cracking down on it. Some of them aren't. Uh, California arrested a kid who was surfing by himself because the beach was closed. California ain't trying to play. Well, they're getting hit pretty hard, so I can see why they're not they trying to play. They might be a bunch of liberals out there, but they believe in science. <laughs> so I guess science is taking precedence over, you know, other things. So um, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see where it goes, but... uh. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of a whirlwind trip I went on. And I did also want to say that, um, you know, in the past, we've done episodes, I've talked about a friend of mine, Jerry Polakoff, who was a, uh, you know, he didn't really use the term conspiracy researcher as much as he did, uh, you know, critic. <laughs> he would critic, be a critic of, of, of narratives, but um, he passed away. Uh, the day before I left for my vacation in a car accident and it was it was really sad and um, you know I was kind of glad to have the vacation to go on because it helped me to be distracted from the fact that you know he was he was way older than me he was 73 years old but um, you know and I was concerned about his health always you know when you have somebody really older who's a dear friend to you that something might happen to their health but um, you know for him to to die in a car accident was was like a punch in the gut it was really shocking and so I went on this trip and I ran across like so many things that happened on the trip that I thought, oh, this would be so cool to tell him about or whatever. And uh, then at the end of my trip, I got a marriage proposal. So that was like an extreme high. And then I come back in the world in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I feel like this past month has been like um, completely mind blowing. Like, that is so that is so Mick though. That is a very Mick narrative for all of that to happen in a very short amount of yeah. time. Like that is so on that's on key for you. Yeah. It's just crazy. So. But anyway, we're about at the hour and a half mark. So um unless you have anything else, I think this would be a good place to end. Alrighty. So anything else you want to add there or no, I think we covered it all. We covered a pretty good amount of the conspiracy theories and uh, news media. And like I said, all we can tell people is uh, broaden your sources that you get your information from. Compare and contrast what you hear. If something doesn't sound right, if you get a little bit of gut instinct that something's kind of doesn't, doesn't match up, doesn't make sense, like with what I'm thinking, just dig a little deeper in that. Let your conscience guide you into finding what you think is a, is a truth for you. And, you know, I would agree be, with that. Except for I really want people to consider the source that they're getting it from. Exactly. Um, you know, the guy on 4chan that goes by Q, we have no idea who he is. He could just be some dude living in his mom's basement. Like let's not uh, spiral this shit out of control. Right. Um, <clears throat> be a smart critic of information. But yeah, sure. about Jerry, that was, that was really awful to hear. I only got to meet him once, but you know, it's always sad when, uh, when you meet someone who is intelligent and outspoken and, um, shares the passion of wanting to explore other options and doesn't just, you know, so many people are not interested in what information is out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was a very interesting person. So the loss of him is not only sad for, everyone that knew him but it's just sad to lose like people like that in the world in general yeah. so we got carried on now man we got to carry it on you know? yes for sure but with that all being said uh this is juke signing off and this is mick signing off <laughs>